The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, December 21st, 2023. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. We got a lot of sports to talk about today, folks. Uh, Yesterday was a huge monumental day uh, for Auburn football in the recruiting world. We're going to continue to go over a lot of that here on the show today. We've got uh, audio from Hugh Freeze and his press conference yesterday. Had a lot of good things to say, uh, so we're going to play some of that for you today. No Brad Law. Uh, I'm on the show with the holidays coming up. He is uh, unavailable today, so we'll be- pick back up with him at the start of the new year. Um, so no Brad Law today, but we do have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. He'll join us in hour number two, as he does each and every Thursday. Uh, he's been with us a long time, folks. He's been with me uh, almost since the start when I took over here. So um, he'll be with us in the second hour. Lots to discuss with yesterday with the early signing day about Auburn, of course, but other teams around the SEC. And so I'm uh, excited for that. We'll get his thoughts on the playoff games coming up as well because this will be the fir- or the last time that we talk to him before the playoff games and so lots to discuss with him that'll be later on in hour number two until then though phone lines are open on this Thursday afternoon what's on your mind what do you want to talk about here on the show today 334-321-1390 that number again is 334-321-1390 call in be a part of the show how are you feeling from yesterday are you still excited have you gone back and kind of looked at everybody and 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 what do you think about what happened yesterday with Auburn football in the in the recruiting class is there something else another team in recruiting you want to talk about maybe a a surprise um whether it be a dumpster fire like Florida or whether it be um another program that that kind of rose up the ranks Texas had a really good day yesterday so uh, if you want to talk about that we got basketball to talk about too I mean there was some great college basketball last night that we got to talk about so we have that to discuss and and a whole lot more so whatever's on your mind give me a call 334-321-1390 we're inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio as they Sponsor our studio each and every day between 2 and 4 p.m. here on ESPN. So a big thanks to them. Go check them out. 800 Main Street off of Opelika Road in Midtown. Um, They can uh, get you taken care of. Great food, great drinks, bunch of TVs. Uh, Go check them out. they got happy hour from 4 to 6 each weekday as well. But let's get into it today because there's a lot to go over, man. And no better place to start than with what happened yesterday, right? Yesterday was... 
a huge day for this Auburn football program. And we had a great show yesterday. We had Jack Cudden in here for the first hour. Lance Dahl from Auburn Daily was here yesterday. And just breaking it all down and just reacting to all the news and all the signees yesterday for this 2024 class for Auburn. And you now have a top seven class. Yes, according to 247, you're number seven in the country for Auburn. And with all the guys that they signed, with all the guys that committed and signed and the some that flipped and some that have been here since this since the beginning, they're not done. That's what's exciting here is they're not done. You still have players that are unsigned and this early signing window goes through Friday. So it goes through tomorrow. But then you have the normal signing day period right coming up in early February and we know there's a big name there we'll talk about that but man you start breaking down just the guys in this class it really really is special and you know we we've talked about how this is and I truly believe this this is the best receiver class Auburn has ever signed Um, these guys are immediate Instant impact players, right? I talk about that all the time. I use that terminology very often on this program because that's what these guys are. They are instant impact players. And when you can get a handful of those, even if you get one, you're doing something right. But to get multiple in multiple different positions, that speaks volumes to what Hugh Freeze and this staff did. And I think not just with the receivers, but in the linebacker room, in the secondary, on both the offensive and defensive lines, you you saw Auburn pull in some serious talent here. And I say they're instant impact players because I think a lot of them could start right away or see themselves starting or having some significant playing time coming up in 2024. And... The reason for that, there's two reasons. One, because they're just that good, right? These kids are just that good. Go watch their high school reels, right? Go watch their highlights, man. These kids can play. And I'm not just talking the receivers. I'm talking everybody that Auburn signed yesterday. So they're all really good. They're great. Some of the best in the state, some of the best across the country. But it also speaks to what Auburn currently has and what they had on the roster and how much help they truly needed. Think about if you had one of these receivers on the team last year. What if you had Perry Thompson or Cam Coleman on this, la- on this team that we just wrapped up with in 2023? Just one. Just one of them. How many more games would Auburn have won? Right? We're jumping into my favorite game, the what-if game. What if... Perry Thompson was your receiver this year. Does Auburn win a couple of more games? Possibly. Right? There's a good chance. What if Cam Coleman was your receiver this year? You probably win a game or two because of that. That's what they're bringing next year. But again, it shows what Auburn was dealing with in 2023. And there's nothing against the guys that were on the team. But we just know there was a huge talent gap here. How many times did we talk about that after a game on a Monday afternoon on this show, on this station? Well, 
You could just see the talent gap there. You could really see there was a difference between their offensive line and our offensive line or their defensive line versus our offensive line. Or, man, they just got some really good corners. And Auburn's just not there yet. Or whatever the case may be. I mean, how many times did we have that conversation? Starting in 2024, that won't be an excuse very often. And I say it as an excuse because it was, a, it was an acceptable excuse. Because it was a real thing. It was absolutely real. It was visible. You could see it playing out over a four-quarter football game. Auburn just wasn't at the level of some of these other programs. With Alabama. With Georgia. Heck, even with LSU. They just weren't there. A&M. But starting next year, thanks to this recruiting class, that conversation and that topic and that excuse won't be able to be used as much. And I don't want it to be used. I'm tired of Auburn not being as talented as these other teams. And I'm sure you are as well. I don't want to come out on Monday and say, well, if Auburn had a better, uh, a better defensive back, he would have made that tackle. Auburn probably would have won. Well, if Auburn had a better quarterback or if Auburn had a better receiver, if Auburn had somebody that could catch the ball, they probably win that game. I'm tired of having those conversations, man. And I'm sure you're tired of having them too. But thankfully, with the seventh-ranked recruiting class in the country, and I think what that can lead to for 2025, 2026, and beyond, I think that the end is in sight for that conversation and that topic and that excuse. Because it doesn't get better than Perry Thompson and Cam Coleman at the receiver spot. It just doesn't. It doesn't get better than those guys paired up with Malcolm Simmons and Bryce Kane and possibly Ryan Williams if you somehow pull that off. It doesn't get better than DeAndre Carter from California, who who Free said is going to be an NFL type of offensive lineman. It doesn't get better than Amaris Williams on the defensive line, who is one of the biggest signees that Auburn had yesterday. He's a huge get. Not only was he a flip, but he comes to Auburn. And Auburn needed that. You look at guys like TJ Lindsay on the front line. He's one of the best in the country. Then you start looking at your linebackers, Joseph Phillips and Demarcus Riddick. Everybody wanted those guys. And now they're coming to Auburn. And so... Will there still be a talent gap in 24? Sure. Look at what Alabama and Georgia did. They didn't, they didn't skip a beat. Georgia's still the number one team in the country in recruiting. Alabama's right there. But the gap is being closed, and it's being closed fast. It's like the zebra out in the safari with a broken leg, and he's trying to run away, and here comes the cheetah, right? Here he comes. And the gap just gets closer and closer and closer. And eventually, eventually that cheetah, or should I say tiger, catches up. And I think it's going to happen. And I think it is happening. And you can't, you can't deny it. And here's the good thing, too. People are noticing. People are noticing around the state of Alabama, around the SEC, and around the country. 
because people have seen Auburn the last, what, five to seven years? And it's been like, man, they've just been down. What's happened to Auburn? There was a couple years where Auburn was the laughing stock of college football because of the previous regime and everything. Auburn was always in the news for the wrong reasons. Not anymore. Not anymore. Auburn's now being talked about as one of the winners of the early signing period, one of the winners in 2024 for recruiting. That's refreshing. That's nice. And guess what, Auburn fans? Get used to it. Guess what, Alabama and Georgia fans? Get used to it. Because it's not going anywhere. As long as everything stays like it should and everybody does what they're supposed to do, this is going to be happening for years and years to come. What's slowing them down? I think Lance brought up a great point yesterday when he was in the studio. Now that you have these recruits, it's time to develop them. It's time to mold them. And it's time to start winning games. And I know that's a lot to ask. That's a lot, to, to, that's a lot of pressure in year two of the Hugh Freeze era. Just the year two, the second year. But look how crucial this is. Look how big of an opportunity that this is. We poked a lot of fun at Florida yesterday. They ended up rebounding pretty well near the end, especially with LJ McCray, a big miss for Auburn that they wanted. I, I say a miss. It's a, it's a guy they wanted. They just didn't get. He wasn't committed to Auburn and then flipped away. And that's a big get for Florida. It really is. But look at the year two of Billy Napier. Look at what happened. They're going backwards. They missed a bowl game. He had a top 10 class last year coming into this year, and they missed a bowl game. And now their recruiting class has dropped out of the top 10. They're like 15 or 16 somewhere in there. Their schedule's brutal, and he's about to get fired. That's where we're at in college football. I hate it. I don't think it's fair, but that's where we are. Year two is huge. Year two is where you have to see improvements. You have to see change in who, whatever coach it is at whatever program has to start cashing in, has to start getting results. And that's exactly where Hugh Freeze is in year two. Year one was okay. It was fine. Could have been better. Could have been worse. But definitely could have been better. But I think the six and six all gets washed away because of this recruiting class. Now, now you have to turn that into wins. You have to turn that into on-field production. Because let's say, just for sake of conversation here, Let's say that in 2024, and I know the schedule is is very easy compared to what Auburn's done in the past, and we have a lot to talk about with that too, but just, uh, again, for the sake of conversation here, let's say Auburn goes 6-6 and again. Heck, even just 7-5. and With this recruiting class, right, with all the momentum, with the schedule stacked up like it is, what if Auburn goes 7-5? and Or six and six. That puts a damper on everything, doesn't it? I'm sure a lot of you listening just now went, ooh, 
Oh, that'd be terrible. Can't go six and six again in year two. And you're right. So that's why all of this comes together. And I'm and I'm saying all this to say you've done half the battle. Or part of the battle, I guess. You've got one of the best recruiting classes in the country coming in with a lot of great players that are going to play immediately and boost your football team significantly. But you've got to coach them the right way. You've got to develop them. They have to get better. And your team has to improve. You have to be taking steps in the right direction. And I think Auburn is. Let me say that right now. I think Auburn is going in the right direction. And I think all of those things will happen. I'm not predicting that Auburn goes 6-6 six and six next year. I'm just trying to lay out the importance of this offseason and the importance of 2024. Because then that impacts your 2025 recruiting class, which Auburn's already in the top five. It's early, but you're in the top five right now. And that was Hugh Freeze's goal, is to get in the top five in their second full year. And I think you have a really good chance to do that. And you know what would help that? How about eight and four? Heck, how about nine and three? That would help that. And then that's when you start looking at year three and year four as it's really time for Auburn to compete. It all goes together. You can get the players. You can get as many of them as you want. But if you don't win and you don't do anything with it, it doesn't matter. We said this yesterday. Look at Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. He's fired. He's gone. Recruiting's half the battle. But you got to get the results to go with it. 334-321-1390. Give me a call. Let's have some fun on this Thursday afternoon. We'll keep talking recruiting. We've got basketball to talk about. we got Hugh Freeze audio coming up as well. Would love for you to be a part of the show here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Come on in, be a part of the show. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And we have John and Auburn. You're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, great signing day. It's a great signing day for the Tigers. Had a, had a couple questions on recruits that are still out there, Okay, to my knowledge. So Cohen, Cohen Eccles mm-hmm. is tomorrow, but... I guess everybody kind of thinking uh, LSU lean on the offensive lineman. Yeah, that's um, unfortunately that's that's been the that's been the feeling for a couple of days now. Kind of the start of the week was was LSU because he actually went on an official visit to LSU uh, that past weekend, and I think they they right. did some work when he was there, and and he's an LSU lean for sure. Okay, and I never saw anything. Maybe maybe I just missed it. Anything on Counts Magoo yesterday to kick out Auburn High? That's a good question also. Um, he has not committed or signed anywhere yet. Um, he is, okay. as far as I know, he is going back and forth between Auburn here, staying locally, and Ole Miss. Now, um, it's my understanding that Ole Miss is offering a little bit more money when it comes to like a scholarship in the school side of things. 
And right. uh, Auburn University is giving him the, the PWO, right, the preferred walk-on, right. and then right. would work him into a scholarship in a couple of years. So um, that is, as far as I know, that's kind of where he's at right now. And then um, I think – he was, I think he was supposed to make a decision yesterday, so it, it, I guess it could be any time. And, man, we know how good Towns Magoo is. That guy is one of the best kickers in the country. He's incredible. And I know, I know one of the recruiting services moved a lot of chips on the table toward Auburn today. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see in either place. I mean, it's going to be good and he's going to be good no matter sure. where he goes. I mean, we'd love sure. to, we'd love to have him here in Auburn and, and keep him home, but you know, you got to think about this too. And I was actually thinking about this when, um, when I was going through some stuff about him and, you know, you got to think about a kid that's been playing high school here in Auburn, right? He's been living here. You know, there's some kids that are, they want to stay home and they want to stay here locally, but then there's also kids that want to go out, right? Kind of go see the world a little bit. And I think that's a, a factor that we don't always consider. One of Hugh Freeze's better receivers, a guy named Cody Core, was an Auburn high product who walked on at Ole Miss and had a successful career. So, um, there, there's, a, there's an Auburn to Oxford history there. Mm-hmm. And then the last question I had for you was, Ryan Williams, I, I don't understand if he's going to go to Alabama, why not sign yesterday? That's a good question, John. Well, and you know, he's, he's always – he's been pretty open about – wanting to sign on February 9th that's his birthday um he wants to to do it then he's been pretty vocal about that he's been committed to Alabama forever but um he has been pretty open and vocal about wanting to wait until February the actual signing day um there were there was some some smoke and rumors flying around that he might you know flip or commit or sign something yesterday but uh no I think he's going to wait till February that makes perfect sense and if I can make a bold prediction Wide receiver, I expect to be most productive in the Auburn offense next year. I'm going to go with one of the returning guys. I think Caleb Burton could be your number one next year. I like that. I like that a lot. He is uber talented. Um, he is young. He's fresh. And he's already been in the system for a year. So I think that benefits him greatly, John. I do, too. I think that's the number one going into next year. I like well, it. thank you much. Have a good day. Thanks so much, John. 334 334- Three two one thirteen ninety. Uh, that's the number that you can call to get into us. We could talk recruiting. We can talk. Uh, we could talk basketball. We're going to talk about that later on today as well. Wanted to correct something. Um, I said that Towns Magoo. Uh, from the information that I had, was that Ole Miss was offering a little bit more on the scholarship side of things. Apparently, um, apparently Auburn has matched that. So. I guess, as far as we know now, um, it's even on what he would get either at Auburn or at Ole Miss. So, um, yeah, Towns Magoo is, is kind of still up in the air, and, and, man, Auburn would be – Auburn would love to have him, and that would just continue the, the run of kickers that Auburn's really always had, but um, especially here in the last, what, 15 years where Auburn's just had great kickers, reliable kickers, putting guys in the league – type of kickers and uh yeah Towns Magoo he's one of those guys let me go ahead and tell you man he we talked to uh, head coach Keith Etheridge all football season long over from Auburn High School and um he always had good things to say about Towns Magoo I mean the guy's just Mr. Automatic Towns McBoom for uh Mr. Uncle T-Bone who's not here today but that kid can he can play and uh he, he, he will be playing on Sundays as well so Auburn would love to have him and add him to the uh to the 2024 class and John was asking about a couple of others, and I appreciate him doing so. Um, Cohen Eccles, the 
the interior offensive lineman from Texas. Um, he was seemed like he was Auburn heavy for a while, and then LSU did some work this weekend when they had him on campus. And look, they did a look, they did a great job, got him on campus, and you still never know. It is still up in the air, and and Auburn does have a little bit of time here to kind of last last minute pitch, right, last ditch effort here uh, to try and get him to choose Auburn, and then of course there is Ryan Williams and. Look, we would all love to get Ryan Williams. I think Auburn that would just push it to to old like the, look the class would be so ridiculously stacked if Ryan Williams joined. And I think that's just the cherry on top if you will. But man, this class is so good already. I mean, it's so good. And that would just be that just be it. I mean, that would just be the final the final, here you go. Let's get into 2024, right? We'll see if it happens. And luckily, we got a couple of more months to talk about it. When we come back, unless we get any phone calls, we'll play some audio from Hugh Freeze and his press conference yesterday talking about these recruits. Got a lot of good things to say. We'll play a lot of it. Maybe not all of it, but we'll play a lot of it. But hey, if you want to call in, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back into the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goertz with you on ESPN 1067, just about 30 minutes into hour number one. Yesterday, Hugh Freeze had his signing day press conference. It was around 12.30, 1 o'clock. It was a little bit later. He was waiting on a, uh, well, he said he was tied up, but we know what he was tied up with with a uh, flip yesterday afternoon. So this is Hugh Freeze talking about that. If you haven't heard this already, um, it's great. It is really, really good. Um, if you have heard it, you probably missed something. So I wanted you to get a piece of this, and uh, we normally have Brad Law in this time, but he is uh, out today, and so uh, we'll pick back up with him uh, this time uh, in a couple of weeks, right? Not next week because we're not here so the following right yeah (laughs) the following week in the new year right 2024 is what we'll pick up with brad law we appreciate him each and every time he joins us but this is hugh freeze yesterday for his early signing day press conference uh first just uh thanks to our staff and um so many that uh, contribute to the recruiting process and it's not just the people in this building, it's the academic support staff, our administration, um, the student body when we're on campus and have activities. Uh, so many people pitch in, the pilots, um, just, just so many people pitch in to uh, contribute to the efforts that go into recruiting. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a large, large, large task that was put into uh, trying to make our first class here uh, a top 10 class, which was our goal. I don't know where we stand with that. I can't keep up with all of that, but uh, that was our goal, is in year one to, to, to have a top 10 class and then in year two to have a top five class. And, um, and that is the way I think you start uh, building a, a program that is able to stack itself upon each other and create a competitiveness among the, the roster that uh, drives you to, to chase a standard every day that's needed to win in this conference. And so 
Um, just thanks to all the people that um, that that pitched into that, and it, it takes a, obviously the people that have helped fund this building and the the facilities and the resources we have. It's all um, a part of of the of the journey. So thankful for the effort. I think uh, I couldn't have asked any more out of the effort that uh, it took to try in a short amount of time to to get into the battles for the top guys because truthfully the elite schools are always you know a couple years ahead and um, we had to close the gap on, on a lot uh, to get in those battles we didn't win all of them um, but we sure were in them and um, I think that speaks to the, the the effort we put into building relationships with so many so um, excited about this class uh, we focused on the high school class. I said that in our press conference the other day. I don't know that that's the right approach, but it certainly, uh, I did not want to, I wanted them to feel like they're the priority. And um, so we did not uh, chase hard and, and portal um, on everyone that could play. And there was a lot that could because we were just committed. Uh, the missing pieces that uh, that we did not land, uh, we we will hope that uh, we can find them either between now and uh, the spring term or um, after the the spring uh, practice and and that portal opens again. We'll see what happens then with what our needs will be at that time. So excited about the class, obviously, just thrilled with the effort, and I really believe that the young men that we've signed and the families they come from. Um, I love these kids. I, I love them as, as individuals. I think they're genuine. I think they want to help a program uh, reestablish itself as one of the elite programs in the country, and and I think they love to work at it and excited to, to get a lot of them here soon and go to work. Questions? Hey, Hugh, just how much effort went into keeping the guys that were committed versus – going out and trying to flip guys from other places? Last night efforts. And, um, and it, you know, you got you to gotta fight and you got to hold on and you got to stay up all night and play video games and do stuff that's out of my comfort zone. And, um, but you, you just, you know, there was there was some late night pushes, and we won, held on some, and won one, and lost one. And um, yeah, people in this conference are good at what they do, and um, I don't always like what is done, but it's uh, it's it's you know you got to just you got to have plans and you got to fight for it, and um, but it was both. I mean, it's you got to try to hold on to your good ones and all of yours and then trying to win a few battles at the end on some some kids that are undecided. Coach, you guys attacked the skill positions really hard in this class. You had a Alright, well the audio uh, keeps it keeps buffering and messing up and all that stuff. So normally don't have this problem, but um yeah it's just uh, it's not one to work today. So it's okay because he already said some things there that I kind of want to address, and we'd love to get your thoughts on on what he said. And again, just talking recruiting, talking this this class from yesterday and the early signing day. That's not done. Um, I think Auburn may be uh, maybe picking up somebody here very very soon. So keep your eyes on that as well. And 
He was talking just right there about the fact that you know you have to you have to recruit all the way up until the pen hits the paper, and it's something that Lance and I and, and Jack, when he was here yesterday too, that we that we talked about. But the fact that he's bringing it up in his press conference, like it's tough, man. It is tough to to be a head coach and try to recruit these kids. This is the toughest time we've that they've ever had trying to recruit because all the kids talk to each other, right? This isn't just pick up the phone and call your friend and tell them about it. No, this is social media world that we live in, right? So you have that. You also have the social media side of things with fans and crazy fans, not just, I'm not saying in Auburn, I'm saying all over the place, crazy fans that are tweeting at recruits, right? And and telling them, come here, you're a Gator, you're a Tiger, don't go to Ohio State, or don't go to Michigan, how could you do that, blah, 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 right? That's a whole part of this as well. But what Hugh Freeze was talking about is you're just battling other schools, man. You're battling other schools and other coaches in an era that's unlike any other. Because this isn't about just, hey, we're the best program, we're the better team we're going to get you to the NFL. We're going to compete for championships. Uh-uh. This is also, hey, we can sign, we can write you this big check. Or, oh, they're offering that? Well, I just made a call. We can, we can top that by this much. And it goes all the way up until they literally sit down, make their announcement, and they sign the bot on the dotted line. And that's tough to do, man. That's really tough to do to try and keep some of your guys that have been committed for a long time. And most of the time, take a guy like Walker White, right? He wasn't going anywhere. He, he wasn't going anywhere. I don't think Hugh Freeze was very stressed about him uh, leaving and flipping and all of that. And I'm sure there were other schools that, that were after him. But then when they started seeing how heavy Auburn he was and how much he was recruiting for Auburn, yeah, they probably all backed off. There probably wasn't a whole lot of stress there. But take... Perry Thompson, for example. Take Cam Coleman, for example. Take Amaris Williams, for example. Like, you know those are the guys he was talking about. You can't tell me that Nick Saban in Alabama, Kirby Smart in Georgia, heck, even Mike Elko at Texas A&M, and all these other big-name programs weren't calling them late, late, late Tuesday night and early, right? You can't tell me they weren't talking to these kids and saying, look, it's our final pitch. This is what we can do. Just saying this is good as it gets, right? Make the right decision. And you're having to, as a head coach, you've got to keep your own guys. Plus you're trying to do that too, right? I mean, Hugh Freeze was probably one of those guys a little bit where it's like, all right, we got 12 hours. Let's see if we can get this guy. Let's make one more sales pitch here. It's wild, man. It's absolutely wild. And his statement saying the guys in this conference are good at what they do. He's right, obviously. Look at the results. So that's what he's going up against. That's what he's having to pitch against with very, very little proof, if that makes any sense. Little proof here, right? Hasn't done a whole lot yet. He hasn't been here very long. 
So he's having to pitch the future, sell the future on very, very little support. And I'm not saying that it's not, it won't be there, but it's not right now. And that's really tough to do, man. That's really tough to do with some of the biggest and best coaches of all time right up the road trying to steal your guys. So shout out to Hugh Freeze. Shout out to this entire coaching staff for keeping their guys. Keeping their guys committed and getting them to sign, that's an achievement, man. And also getting some flips as they've gotten along the way from the biggest names in college football, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, right? Going after Florida State kids, Texas A&M. Getting those flips along the way and getting some on signing day, those are just bonuses. Those are bonuses. And all of that feeds into what's happening right now. We've talked about the calendar too, right? The fact that as of right now, you're having to finish out this recruiting window for the early signing period. Then you've got the rest of the signing period coming up in February, plus the transfer portal, plus bowl practice, all that mess. I mean, it's ridiculous. And Hugh Freeze is doing a great job doing a wonderful job, and Auburn fans should be happy. And again, I said this earlier, people are taking notice. People are noticing what's happening in Auburn. It's impossible not to. It's impossible not to notice what's happening. And people are scared. People are worried. They act like they're not. Right? Auburn's rivals, they act like they're not worried about it. But I promise you they are. Their coaches are worried about it. Their fans are worried about it. And they should be. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. We'll talk a little basketball when we come back, but we can talk that, recruiting, anything else on your mind if you want to call in and be on the line. 334-321-1390. We'll come back and have our final segment in hour number one here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's talk a little basketball as we wrap up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Loud Studio here on ESPN 1067. Lots of football talk yesterday and today, and we got more coming up in the second hour as well. But have you been paying attention to what's happening in college basketball. I mean, last night was last night was great. I stayed up way too late um, <laughs> watching basketball, but it was worth it. I mean, just so many big-time games with top 25 teams, some top 25 matchups, right, ranked teams playing each other, but then just some big brands playing last night in college basketball, and it's been this way for the last couple of days. But last night in particular on Wednesday, you had number five UConn, who's a very, very good team, by the way, playing Seton Hall. So they, the Big East had uh, a couple of their first games in conference play last night. Number five team in the country taking on Seton Hall on the road. They go down by 15. Seton Hall beats them 75 to 60. The Huskies take their second loss of the year. And their two losses are now Seton Hall and Kansas. They also have wins over 
Indiana, the team that, of course, Auburn destroyed in Atlanta. Number 15, Texas. UConn also has wins over a top 10 North Carolina team and a top 10 Gonzaga team. So, yeah, that's a pretty good UConn team that uh, fell to Seton Hall. And if you're new to this program, if you're new to this show, if you're new to me, I love the Big East in basketball. I love it. It is so much fun outside of the SEC, of course, um, with, with Auburn and everything. It's my favorite conference to, to cover and, and watch because I don't have a team in it, but it's just so much fun. All the games are crazy. They're good. They're fun. The Big East tournament in New York is, is one of my favorite conference tournaments of the year when March comes around. I don't know. I just I love that conference in basketball. So that's why when I always talk about the Power Five, I actually talk about the Power Six in college basketball because the Big East is included in that. And um, you got a taste of that last night with Seton Hall taking down UConn. You had the uh, Jumpman Invitational last night with number 11, North Carolina, taking on number 7, Oklahoma. This was a good game. Um, and then R.J. Davis kind of took over for, for the Tar Heels. They win 81-69. to Number 11 versus number 7. Did you know that? Did you know Oklahoma was a top-10 team and they were undefeated before last night? Yeah, pretty crazy what's going on in basketball right now. You also, because why not, you had number 10 Baylor on the road at Cameron Indoor taking on number 21 Duke. What? Like, what? Where are these matchups coming from? I don't know, but they're a lot of fun. And Baylor falls to Duke 78-70. to You also had another game in the Big East in their opening games of the conference season. Villanova on the road at Creighton. Creighton's the number 12 team in the country. Villanova unranked at 7-4 and four going into the game. They go to overtime and win 68-66. to 66. So, opening night of the Big East, both of their ranked teams go down. So that's cool. And then, the game that kept me up really late last night was Alabama finishing up their brutal stretch of basketball where they've played number four Purdue, number eight Creighton, and number four Arizona. Three top ten teams in a row all away from Coleman Coliseum. And look, if you just looked at the final score of that game from last night, it's 87-74 to as Arizona takes down Alabama. If you look at the score, you're thinking, wow, Alabama, they got crushed. Yeah, not, not necessarily. Yes, Arizona's a really good team. They are a top-five team for a reason. But look, Alabama was running in this game. I mean, they were... Alabama was in this thing until late down the stretch when Arizona just kind of pulled away. And Alabama, yet again, I think this has been the case for pretty much all of their losses this year. If they just shot a little bit better, they would have won. But here we are again with a Nate Oates coached Alabama team that lives and dies, and I mean dies by the three. If they make them, they're going to win. If they miss them, they're going to lose, and they were missing them last night. Here are the totals for Alabama. You ready for this? In a 40-minute basketball game, 40 minutes of play, Alabama shot 40 threes. That's simple math. That's a three a minute. That's almost a three every possession, give or take. 
They went 8 of 40 from downtown last night to shoot 20% from three. 43 pointers is ridiculous. I mean, that is just, that's insane to me that you get up 43s in a basketball game. They shot 65 total field goals and 40 of them were from behind the arc compared to the 17 that Arizona shot. So that kind of tells you the difference there. And the, the Crimson Tide just couldn't buy a bucket. But they were still in this game for a long time. And, and I'm saying all this to say the Kim Palm still loves Alabama somehow. There's, there are 6-5. and five. Did you know that? Did you know Alabama's now 6-5 and five on the year? But here are their losses. They're, they're tough losses. All right, they lost all three of those games in a row, Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona. They also lost to Clemson when they were still undefeated, and they lost to Ohio State. Their only good win is Oregon. Other than that, they haven't beaten anybody. But they've played probably the toughest schedule in the country. That's still a good Alabama team. I believe it. I was watching them last night. I think that's a good team. But, man, they got to get they got to get some wins. And I think they will. Their SEC slate starts out pretty easy. So, again, that's how it is every year with Nate Oates and his teams. If they can shoot the three ball well, they're one of the best teams in the country. If they don't, they're one of the worst. That'll do it for hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk some more recruiting, talk about whatever else you'd like to talk about, and then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, will join us. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two, coming up. The following is an Auburn Network production. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this uh, overcast, little chilly day here in the Auburn Opelika area on this Thursday, December 21st, 2023. This is the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. Hour number one is in the books. If you missed any of it, uh, you can catch up later on with the podcast after the show. We'll post that on our station website. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We talked a lot of recruiting in the first hour with yesterday being a very busy day. We'll talk some more about it here in hour number two as well. Uh, also, talked about some of the comments from Hugh Freeze in his press conference yesterday about early signing day and just the difficulties of getting your guys to sign and getting through signing day I mean it's a it's a struggle to uh, to have to combat all that so a lot of that conversation in hour number one also talked a little basketball in that first hour as well so again uh, that'll be posted to our station website after the show and you can catch up with that later on at ESPNAU.com 
Here's what's coming up in the second hour, though. More recruiting talk, um, more of whatever's on your mind. Uh, we'll take phone calls as well. And then Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, will join us coming up at 3.30. So excited to have him on for the final time this year. Uh, not the final time in general. I wouldn't do that to you. Chris is a fan favorite. we got to keep him on the show. Love having him on. And uh, he'll be joining us for the final time in 2023. We'll be talking uh, the early signing day. We'll be talking about uh, the winners and losers from that. Also getting his thoughts on the college football playoff semifinals because those are coming up and those will be happening before uh, we talk to him again. So excited to have Chris on coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Um, Phone lines are open until then, though, so give me a call. Whatever's on your mind, would love to hear from you. Some more of your thoughts about uh, early signing day, about uh, Auburn basketball, if you want to talk about that, college football, college basketball, whatever is on your mind, you can give me a call, and I'd love to have you on the show. 334-321-1390. That number again is 334-321-1390. Your your takeaways from early signing day yesterday for Auburn, uh, where does this rank for you in signing days for Auburn football in recent memory, recent history, or, I mean, even even back farther. I mean, you can go as far back as you want. I mean, it's up there. It's definitely up there with some of the, the highest we've ever seen Auburn and one of the best that we've seen Auburn get in a really, really long time. So we'd love to get your thoughts on that as well. Before we start talking about some of that, though, want to update you and remind you. Uh, we've told you a couple of times here throughout the week, but a reminder, tomorrow – for my show, for On the Line, and The Drive coming up, right, this show from 4 to 6 after me with Bill and Dan. Tomorrow is the final day for shows until the turn of the new year, all right? No shows for us all next week. We're off for Christmas. Um, we, we get that week off. We've been doing that for a couple of years now, and it, it, it really does work out nicely um, for us because... You know, we work and have shows around a lot of the other holidays. Thanksgiving's one of those with the Iron Bowl and stuff like that. And so our, our friends here at Auburn Network are very, uh, very nice and, and give us that week off for Christmas. So uh, no shows next week, all right, for On the Line and The Drive. Uh, the Max Roundtable is going to be here later next week. I believe Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is when they'll be here. So uh, you'll have that to, uh, to listen to throughout the end of next week but no on the line no drive also no shows on new year's day so uh, that'll be six straight weekdays without a show i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself uh i'll be traveling that's what i'll be doing but we'll be back on january 2nd so keep that in mind tomorrow final shows of the year we'll be back on january 2nd so we got a lot to cover between now and tomorrow when we go off the air. So, uh, again, just wanted to, to get you thinking about that and remind you of that. No shows next week. Let's get to the phone lines, though, here to kick off hour number two. 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Jim. Hey, Jim. How are you? Doing well. Uh, with anywhere from seven to ten spots, probably still available on the football roster Mm -hmm. Uh, how many if any additional high school players are we thinking about signing I'm not aware any names but uh, just curious to know if indeed there's any additional high school players that have uh, surfaced 
Yeah, so um, with yesterday, and it actually was going through yesterday evening, um, Auburn is still looking to kind of uh, sign a couple of more, right? So the big one is Ryan Williams, right? He's trying to still flip him from uh, from Alabama, and he's not going to uh, he's not going to sign until February is his plan until February 9th, the actual signing day and signing period. Um, of course, yesterday was the early signing period, but so that's one. Uh, Auburn still uh, in the running for a kicker in Towns Magoo, the Auburn High School kicker here locally. He is deciding between Auburn and Ole Miss, and it could be any time now. And then uh, the other one that Auburn's going after is Cohen Eccles, the, um, yeah. the, the offensive lineman out of Texas. It seems to be down to LSU and Auburn, but seems to be leaning LSU, but you never know. So I would say a couple, Jim, is the answer to that question on trying to add any more high school guys. Yep. Thanks for the call. 334-321-1390. That's a good way to kind of get started here in hour number two is, again, the class that Auburn signed is legendary. I mean, it, it is going to go down as one of the best and most impactful signing classes that Auburn has ever had because of everything that's happening, because of the timing, uh, because of what it could mean moving forward. For Auburn football, right, this could be the start where we look back five or six years from now and say, man, remember that Remember that 2024 class, right? That's the one that started it all. And we very well could, right? Nick Saban had that at Alabama. Kirby had that at Georgia. Other big-time coaches have had those classes. You've got to start somewhere. And the fact that Hugh Freeze and this staff – were able to do that in year one, I mean, that sets you forward three or four years, literally. I mean, you, you jumpstart this thing by a couple of years. And what's crazy is you have to do that. You have to be that successful. You have to be that successful in the, in the recruiting world and then on the field with results. Because the window for a coach nowadays in college football, and I hate this, I can't stand it, the window's three years. You have three years to do something, to be good, to start winning some ball games. And if you don't, you're out. Heck, there's coaches that get fired after two years, which is crazy to me. And I get it. If you're not seeing any progress or if the, if the program's going backwards, then yeah, I get it. But man, you need a little bit of time. But that's just the, the standard that's been set. It's not fair. It's not right, in my opinion, but that's just where we are. And so the fact that Hugh Freeze and this staff were able to pull a top seven class sitting at number seven right now in the country and potential to grow even higher with a couple of those guys that I just named for Jim, that's insane. And you jumpstart this program, you jumpstart the, the rebuild process because you do have to get results right now. And so you now have an opportunity in 2024 with the schedule that's very, very manageable for this Auburn team. You've got some serious talent now. And you have some talent to, to work with, develop, and make this program make some noise. I should say allow this program to make some noise. Are you going to win them all? All your games? No. Right? Are you going to go to the SEC championship game next year? Probably not. 
But you're going to start making improvements. And some of those games that you could have won or even should have won in 2023, you're going to start winning those in 2024. And you're going to start winning those in 2025 and beyond. And it's all a trickle-down effect. right? You have a good recruiting class in 24, have a good season in 24, have a better recruiting class in 25, have a better season in 25. That's the simple breakdown of it. Now, it's not simple to do. It's extremely hard, but that's that's how you do it. And the fact that Hugh Freeze was able to do it in year one instead of year two or three, you're giving yourself a chance to be competitive and you're giving yourself a chance to become relevant again much, much faster because of those receivers that you signed, because of the offensive and defensive linemen that you're bringing in that will give you depth and, let's just be honest, give you some more skill, make you better. I mean, you're bringing in NFL-type guys in the next few years. They're not there yet, obviously, coming out of high school, but they will be, right? They will be with the, with the right help. You're bringing in more guys in the linebacker room and the secondary that have a chance to be playing on Sunday. Auburn just hasn't had many of those in the recent years. They haven't been bringing those guys in recently. They've had some here and there, of course. But I'm saying when you look at this 2024 class, man, and already what they're doing in 25, it's unheard of for Auburn in recent years. Other teams have been doing it. just hasn't been Auburn. And so you look at the class that they're bringing in, and you look at the schedule for next year. Right, We've all looked at it and seen it a little bit, but here's what Auburn's working with next year. All right, You're home for five straight games to start the season. I hate that, but it is what it is. You start August 31st at home against Alabama A&M. You then welcome in Cal to finish up the home and home. You play New Mexico, not New Mexico State, New Mexico on Saturday, September 14th. You play Arkansas to open up SEC play on September 21st. And then you play one of the newcomers. You play Oklahoma coming to Jordan-Hare, which I'm pretty sure is the first time they've done that on September 28th. Those are five winnable games. That's a good Oklahoma team, and they had a good recruiting day yesterday. But that's a chance to get off to a nice start. And you have the talent to do so. And I think it was Lance or Jack yesterday when they were in the studio talking about imagine getting these receivers going in those first few games, right? Not only are a lot of them going to be here, some players are already here going through bowl practice. A lot of them are going to be here in the spring, so you get to work them in all the way up to the fall. But then you've got, I'll throw Arkansas in there, you've got four games that Auburn should win at home to get them comfortable and developed and get the system off and running work out the kinks if you will before Oklahoma comes to town this team could be rolling by that point with whoever your quarterback is whether it's Peyton Thorne Holden Garner heck Walker White or if they do get a transfer guy which I don't think they will I think Hugh Freeze kind of told us that yesterday when in on Sunday with his extra words of confidence for Peyton Thorne. So you work all those guys in. You work in your offensive and defensive linemen, right? You've got some time at the start of the new year next year 
2024 to get the season started off right, not just in the win column, just from a comfortable standpoint and communication and togetherness, all of those things that Auburn just didn't seem to have all this past year, you can do that to start 2024. Alabama A&M, Cal, New Mexico, Arkansas, Oklahoma, all five games in a row at home. Then you take your first road trip of the season to Georgia on Saturday, October 5th. Depending on what this team's record is, depending on what the vibes are, depending on how the where the optimism levels are, that could be a huge opportunity. But if for some reason you stumble against Cal, you let Arkansas, a bad Arkansas team, hang around, and let's say you let Oklahoma come into Jordan-Hare and beat you, who knows what that Georgia game could look like. It could feel like it felt this year, right, going into it as, oh, man, Georgia's going to come in here. Georgia's going to come in here and just own us for four quarters. And Auburn hung around somehow. Could have, maybe should have won that game. If they didn't have Brock Bowers, Auburn would have won that game. So that, that game next year with this team, who knows? I think it'll be a very good game. You'll probably have two undefeated teams going at it if Georgia can win on the road at Alabama because, remember, they played that game in September. You then have a bye week. Then you continue a three-game road stretch with Missouri on the road and Kentucky on the road. That wraps up October. No home games for Auburn in October next year. Then you play Vanderbilt, another bye week. Reminder, all teams are going to have two bye weeks. Then you have ULM, Texas A&M, so three straight home games in November with a bye week squeezed in there before you go on the road to take on Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I'm talking about this schedule from a talent perspective, from the team perspective, from the production and the development perspective here. There's some really good opportunities for this team to get really good. They're going to be good. The talent's going to be there. It's all got to come together, and they got to grow a little bit, get comfortable. And folks, there's some really good chances to do that. Those first five games at home is a perfect chance to do that. You have a learning experience on the road at Georgia. You have big-time opportunities on the road in the SEC at Missouri and at Kentucky, two of the easier places to play on the road in this conference. You then come home and should have a field day with Vanderbilt, another field day with ULM, and who knows what Texas a and going to look like. Auburn has a real chance to be a confident team going into the Alabama game in 2024 and hitting on all strides. A couple thousand-yard receivers, a quarterback that's playing really well, a defense that's just eating, which I think they will, especially with the guys coming back. I look at Keontae Scott and Eugene Asante there. The potential's sky high. And I think you have a chance to do something really special in 2024, something we really didn't think was possible, right? You always look at that third year for a coach, that fourth year for a coach, if he hangs on that long, is when they really start competing. I think it could happen in 2024. I really do. Again, I'm not saying Auburn's going to go to Atlanta 
or make the college football playoff, but all of that did get a little bit easier with no divisions and an expanded college football playoff. And isn't it crazy we've gone all the way to that topic all stemmed from what happened yesterday. That's how special it was. That's how big it was. That's how impactful it was. And again, I don't think Auburn's done. Give me a call. How do you feel about all that? 334-321-1390. We'll have another segment before Chris Gordy joins as host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Come on in. Be a part of the show here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Talking Auburn football, all things Auburn athletics, and whatever else you'd like to talk about. 334-321-1390. Got a few more minutes. This will be the final chance for you to hop in uh, as Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Um, so if you got something you'd like to discuss, please uh, give me a call. We'd love to get you on the show. I was talking about the potential for 2024 for Auburn football and talking about it from uh, thanks to the recruiting class for 2024 thanks to the very manageable schedule in 2024 and just the momentum of this program man I mean there's so much happening with NIL and I mean your transfer portal additions have been good not very many but I don't think Auburn was focused on that very much I think you can tell based off of yesterday and hopefully based off of some more results with that, they are focused on the high school recruiting. And Hugh Freeze said that from day one when he got here, and he said it yesterday in his press conference. He he wants to build this thing through high school recruiting. And look, the transfer portal is it's wide open. It's as busy as it's ever been. Um, there was some astronomical number about how many players have – entered the portal since it opened up in this window and it's thousands and thousands and thousands but I think teams are figuring out at least those top tier elite programs are starting to figure out that the transfer portal is not there to build your program it's not there for you to go and get 30 to 40 guys each cycle and and think it's going to work out right look at Ole Miss that's the best example I can give look at Ole Miss they try to do that every year and they're good right Ole Miss is good they're a 10-win team and and if you look at their schedule for next year they'll be another 10-win team but it just doesn't work right it doesn't work long term and it's so weird why right I've pondered this question on why it doesn't work right why is it so important to go into the high school ranks and get those kids that are high schoolers and then build your program through that and there's multiple different reasons why there's tons of reasons why but the one that really comes back to me is if you bring them in as a high schooler you get to develop them the way you want to. You get to develop them 
the way that fits your program, your system, whether it be offensive, defensive, special teams, right? You also have more time to work with them, and they're a little bit more fresh, right? They haven't learned certain styles somewhere else or certain ways to play the game somewhere else, and you work with a... It's like a newborn child, almost. It's like raising your own kid where you can kind of raise them how you want to, right? And what you think is best for them versus, let's say if you, you know, you pick up a kid, if you adopt a kid at the age of, I don't know, 15, right? They've had a whole 15 years, right? They have all these things that they've learned already and the way they do certain things and how they grew up and all that, right? You get what I'm saying here. It's tough to take that and change the way they think and change the way that they play the game of football. It's really tough to do. And so I think that's why the portal just doesn't work for building a program year in and year out. Because think about all the turnover, too, especially now. It's the most it's ever been. It's the most it's ever been. And you can't guarantee that you're not going to lose your own players in the transfer portal. Like, that... That's got to be something that when a coach lays his head down on the pillow at night, I mean, he's just got to pray every night. I think I would. I'd be like, I'd be like, Lord, please don't let my guys leave, right? Don't, don't let them get stolen away from another program because we know that's happening, right? There's no way that player A just decides, you know, I think I'm going to leave and I've just always wanted to go to this other school immediately. Come on now. We know that's ridiculous. But in today's game, it's just proven that the high school ranks is where it's at. Now, you can use the portal to fill those, those gaps, right, and, and fill the spots on your roster, and I think Auburn has done that so far. And there's some, a lot of fans that think they should go after a quarterback, right? I think there's a lot of fans in that boat. But Hugh Freeze has said since day one, he wants to focus on the high school rankings and the high school recruits, and that's exactly what he's done. And I think it's going to work. Now, a new, a new coach at a new program in year one, thankfully you do have the transfer portal to go into and kind of balance out in that first year, right? You have that, that portal to go and say, okay, let's just go and get enough guys to put a team together and figure this thing out. But it's just not sustainable long-term. And that's why you see Auburn at the top in the high school recruiting rankings right now. And I think you'll continue to see that as long as Hugh Freeze is the coach. And guess what? That's how you win. Stay tuned. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us when we come back. We'll talk about early signing day, winners and losers. He'll give his thoughts on Auburn as well and the college football playoff. We got to get his thoughts on that too. Is this the last time we'll talk to him before the start of the new year? That's what's coming up. Stick around. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on ESPN 1067. And joining us on the phone lines as he does every single Thursday, it's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Chris, happy Thursday, man. I hope you're doing well. We got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, yeah, it's a busy, busy time of year. Um, you know, it's funny. I was reading, uh, I think it's Michael Casagrande from AL.com. Had a piece up yesterday saying, you know, look, as, as fun as it is to cover, you know, the early signing period, and we need to stop calling it the early signing period. It's now national signing day. I mean, the fact that we, we, we wait for February for like a dozen more kids to announce, that, that's, it's a joke that that's called national signing day still. Right. But, um, you know, it, it does need, I think we do need to adjust the schedule back a little bit. I mean, I get the whole idea of getting these kids on campus as quick as you can and getting them in for, uh, full practice, if they're early enrollees and all this, but I do think we need to get back. I mean, there was something romantic about the February day, you know, whatever it is, February 3rd or whatever, where, you know, we would all build up and everybody would get together. A lot of schools across the SEC would have big, you know, alumni parties where everybody would get around and gather around the fax machine and wait to see who you get. Oh my God, we flipped this kid. And now, like, it's just, it's not the same when it's happening the same week as Christmas. We got bowl prep. I mean, it's just, it's weird. So, I don't know. I, I'd love to see it go back to how it was. But it's just, uh, it, yeah, it's just a ton going on with bowl games being played, uh, prepare for a national championship, and then these coaches have to go, oh, by the way, we've got to uh, solidify 95% of our signing class right now. It's, uh, it just seems a little, a little bit odd. Yeah, that's something that uh, Hugh Freeze, head coach for Auburn football, has been saying. I mean, he he's just talked about the calendar has to change. And he's been very vocal about that, Chris, about just like this has to change. You mentioned it. You have high school recruiting. You have bowl practice going on if your team is, is you know, thankful enough to be there. And then you also have the transfer portal that's open at the exact same time. I mean, it's it's insane trying to deal with everything happening right now, Chris. It's just something has to change. Yeah, it's. I will say this for Locked On SEC, it's great content because every day, I mean, my show kind of <laughs> writes itself because there's so much going on. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I find myself going back and looking. I'm going, wait, did I already talk about this kid in the portal? And I go, no, you didn't. That, it happened last night after you recorded your show, and now it's new content today. It's just, it's crazy. Um, you know, especially with adding two new teams, right? I mean, right. we got that. That was the craziest part of covering signing day yesterday was. You know, not only talking about the 14 teams in the SEC, but the two more in Texas and Oklahoma, who, oh, by the way, both had top 10 recruiting classes. Uh, again, I always tell people, be careful what you wish for. You wanted conference expansion. Well, you're bringing in two big dogs that are coming in ready to compete. And, oh, by the way, the Texas Longhorns may be reigning national champs as they come into the SEC next year. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's a lot going on. But, man, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's become, you know, the NFL, the big fun about it was always, the offseason and NFL free agency and, oh, who can we get? It, it's become that in college now. It's become, oh, wait, yeah, I know that guy started last year at uh, at Alabama, but we can bring him to Auburn or, you know, that, that, that starting quarterback at Utah. Yeah, we can bring him to Vanderbilt. I mean, it's just it's crazy how the transfer portal has just changed everything. Yeah, well, there's just so much happening, so much going on. But yesterday was a big day around the country and around the, the SEC, Chris, with the early signing day, a.k.a. signing day, 
And we've got to start with what happened right here in Auburn. Yesterday was a very special day for Hugh Freeze and this Auburn football program. We've been hyping it up. We've been talking about it. And for the most part, Hugh Freeze and this staff delivered yesterday, and they still have a chance. They're currently top 10 in the country in the recruiting class, still have a chance to be top five, Chris. And it's been a long time since we could say that about Auburn. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I know Hugh kind of said it yesterday. And his goal was, you know, year one to have a top ten recruiting class, year two to be top five, uh, and and they're not done. I mean, there's there's plenty more that could happen. But you know, it's it's not it's not just proverbial, you know, uh, you know, BS to say like that was the gr- this is the greatest wide receiving class that Auburn has ever signed. Um, you know, Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson are so good. You know, I expect both those guys to be in the starting lineup day one next year. Uh, and look, it maybe speaks to the level of receivers that Auburn had on the roster that it wasn't the best. And we talked about that all throughout the spring and then into the season. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why Peyton Thorne, uh, you know, kind of underwhelmed this season. But yeah, I, you got to be excited. Um, you know, I am still a little su- surprised that, uh, you know, Hugh went to bat. Uh, I think that was Sunday when he talked with the media went to bat so hard for Peyton Thorne saying, uh, yeah, he's our guy. And, you know, you saw we started to protect him and give him time and how much better he got. So we'll see. Um, you know, I know he's very high on Walker White. Uh, a few people I've talked to have said they're high on Walker White, but they don't think that he's a guy that can come, you know, compete for the starting job next season. Uh, and a few people I've talked to have said they're still very high on holding Jared Ernst. He, he might have a chance to beat out Peyton Thorne if, if they open this thing up. So, it's uh, look, you bring in a lot of elite talent, and you know it's kind of funny. Last year they go into the portal and got what, like twenty-two guys in the portal a year ago. Uh, this year, what do they have? Like three guys so far in the portal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's heavy, heavy recruiting, and this is how you build your foundation. I heard Brian Kelly talk about this yesterday at LSU. He said, "Yeah, look, year one we had to address a lot of needs. Went through the portal. Uh, he said, year two into year three, we're going to be way more selective on who we bring in through the portal. We're not just addressing needs." He said, we've got to play these, these freshmen uh, from last year's class and, and, and these incoming freshmen in this year's class. This has to be the foundation of building our program. You don't win a championship by grabbing a ton of guys out of the portal. You have to have that foundational you know, piece of the, the three-year, four-year players that you recruited, came up through the high school ranks, came on your campus, and you worked with every day and developed and turned them into stud players. And so that's, that's the foundation. I still think you know, Hugh Freeze, the, the, the path is still year three, year four, that they'll be a, you know, quote-unquote championship contender. It's not to say they can't compete in the SEC next year. I think they can. But, um, you know, I still think they're in, in, the, in the foundational phase, laying the bricks. But, uh, man, what a class to, to, to bring in, uh, like I said, with all the wide receivers, flipping the Morris Williams, the big, you know, defensive lineman, I think will probably, you know, have a chance to start from day one. Uh, you combine that with last year's studs like Keldrick Falk and you know, some of the pieces they brought in, you, you're really starting to see, you know, you can kind of glimpse into your crystal ball and see, man, this, they're, they're building something here for the future. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Chris, what's happening in Gainesville right now? I mean, you go on the boards yesterday and their fans are just losing their minds because player after player is is flipping and, and lying to Florida, apparently, and, and, and Billy Napier just doesn't know what's going on down there. It seems like what in the world is happening in Gainesville? Well, it was a rough day. I mean, a lot of these kids that they had had committed for you know, all throughout the season, you know, literally in the last 48 to 72 hours, decide to flip. And, and it's crazy 
Uh, it's the day and age we're living in with NIL. You know, I think some of these kids had an agreement, but other schools swooped in and, and promised more money. And I do think results on the field mattered a little bit. You know, it's, it's not to say that, you know, look, teams in the past that have had a losing season have signed big recruiting classes. So, I, you know, it's not, a, it's not an all or nothing. But I do think Florida starting 5-2 and two and then finishing 5-7 and seven had an effect. I think kids looked around and said, you're not even going to a bowl game in year two. Like, you're, you're moving backwards. You know, if you're looking at the results on the field under Billy Napier. So I do think some kids got the wandering eye. I do think some dollar figures came into play and, and, and flipped some kids. But I will say this it, it could have been a lot worse for them to lock down DJ Lagway and LJ McCray like they did the two big five stars. Think of all the rumors that were going on yesterday. DJ Lagway was having his announcement at three o'clock yesterday at his high school in Willis, Texas. And there were real rumblings that Lincoln Riley was doing everything he could to get to get DJ to flip to USC. Uh, Mike Elko and A&M were still in his ear as well. And DJ Lagway got up there and said, look, I know they had kids that decommitted and all this, but I'm a Florida Gator through and through. And I like that. I respect the kid. Um, you know, he, he understands that Billy Napier may not be there for the long term, but I like that he, he you know, stood true to his word, said, I'm going to Florida. Um, and, and, you know, so be it. And then I think LJ McCray, you know, the rumbling yesterday was that he wasn't going to sign yesterday. In fact, he didn't even take part in his high school uh, ceremony. But I think once DJ Lagway committed, I think they kind of reassured him, look, you know, LJ, stick with us. Everything's going to be fine. And he takes the Instagram last night, puts on a Florida hat and says, yeah, I'm going to Florida. And they got confirmation that his letter of intent did, did indeed come into Florida yesterday. So, you know, as bad as the day as it was, they did kind of salvage the day uh, into the evening and getting Lagway and McCray and the two big five stars. But, yeah, man, for, for their class to be a week ago ranked top five to finish 16th overall, and, and it's not done yet, right? I mean, we still got to get to February. But to drop 10 spots in a 24-hour period was, was pretty extreme. But uh, it just goes to show, man, I mean, the schedule is absolutely brutal next year for Florida. And, it's hard not to – I mean, it's going to take a miracle for Billy Napier to, to save his job and be the head coach of Florida come 2025 and, and further. Any other programs yesterday that stood out to you across the SEC for early signing day, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it starts with Georgia and Alabama. It's, it's so funny. You know, we, we talk about them. You know, they're, they're the powers that be. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Georgia loses the number one quarterback in the class in Dylan Rayola. And it doesn't even matter. They still sit there at number one. You know, I have a buddy who's a Florida State fan. Was so excited about, um, you know, getting getting the number one safety in the country in, in uh, KJ Bolden. And you know, yesterday he just flips to Georgia, and it's like, oh well, okay, he's just going to go there and probably be a, a three year starter, start as a freshman, and just be an absolute stud, and probably be a first round pick when it's all said and done. I mean, it's it's just crazy the embarrassment of riches that both Georgia and Alabama get. And you know, it's the one I always go to when we talk about the college football playoff and it's always like uh, well who are the four best teams and it's always like well Alabama I think they're one of the best well they should be they're the number one or number two recruiting <laughs> class every single year every year years. I mean it's, it's absolutely insane they just stack talent on talent and kudos to save it I mean you know look they, they are doing some things in NIL but you're not hearing like I, I have not heard uh, reports out of Alabama that oh they gave this kid 1.5 million or whatever like they don't have to do that Saban is selling kids on you want to come compete for a championship, develop, we'll make you better, and you'll be a first-round pick. Like, that's still what they're selling. And, and yes, they're, they're in the NIL game like a lot of schools are. But a lot of schools, that's all they can sell. 
At Texas A&M, they can't double competing for championships. Mm-hmm. They can't guarantee you're going to be a first-round pick, but they can guarantee you, hey, we'll give you $400,000. So it's just it's funny. I mean, as, as everybody's adapting and all this, Nick Saban's still doing what Nick Saban does. He's selling you on, come come win a title here and uh, and uh, make a lot of money you know, down the road as a, as a high draft pick. And, uh, you know, that, that stood out. And then, of course, Texas with their class, getting Ryan Wingo, the big five-star that, you know, a lot of people thought was going to end up going, you know, maybe flipping to Missouri. Um, you know, Stark has got a ridiculous class. They've got stud after stud wide receiver. Quinn Ewers is going to come back next year. You've got Arch Fanning waiting in the wings. Uh, Texas is going to be a problem. And, uh, you know, whatever happens during the playoff, you know, God forbid if they come in as reigning national champs, the Texas Longhorns, into the SEC next year, it's going to be ugly for a lot of people. So, that stood out. And then one more, you know, LSU I thought was interesting. You know, Brian Kelly had a very nice class. They finished 11th, but this is only the third time in the last decade that LSU finished outside of the top 10 with a recruiting class. They're, mm-hmm. they're normally always, you know, number five, number six, somewhere in that in that top 10. And, you know, th- this is the first time since 2012 they didn't sign a, f- a five-star uh, recruit among the, the 24-7 sports composite. Wow. And I had a, a buddy of mine argue with me yesterday. He goes, oh, well, one of the alignment on ESPN is a five-star. I said, dude, don't pay attention to ESPN recruiting. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. I always go with the, the 24-7 sports composite. Go with the sites like that do it, for a, do it for a living. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, on three does a good job, but I, I still stick with 24-7. But, you know, they didn't have a five-star. And it was funny. I was going back through it and looking, and, you know, sure enough, um, you know, that, that year that LSU back in 2012 did not sign a five-star in that class. You go back and look at who they had in that class, well, it was all kinds of guys who went on to, to be studs in the NFL. Quan Alexander, Deion Jones, Daniel mm. Hunter, Jalen Mills. So, you know, those are all guys who were like three stars and below. So, like, it's maybe we over, you know, we, we overdo it with the star rankings. We, we over, oh, my God, we got a five-star. Let's go back and look at all the five-stars just in the last four or five years in recruiting. And there are as equal as many busts as there are studs. So, it's fun. It's fun to talk about. It gets your fan base excited. But it's all about development, man. Can you develop that three-star and get the best out of them? Um, you know, that's, that's where the real coaching comes into play, not just landing a five-star. So, yeah, and, and then the other one, just A&M being number 17. Mike Elko's got a huge task ahead of him to build up there and, and get some cachet going because, man, they lost a lot of those kids from that number one recruiting class just two years ago. And, man, how the mighty have fallen from a, from a number one recruiting class two years ago to now 17. Uh, they are in the rebuilding phase there in College Station. Yeah, so many things are changing with all the coaching moves and the transfer portal and NIL. I mean, it's crazy that we're talking about all of this in the same conversation. We're talking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Joins us every Thursday here on ESPN 106.7. Before we let you go, this will be the last time we talk to you, Chris, before the start of the new year. And, of course, the college football playoff games will be played before then. What's your take? What's your pick? Who's going to be playing in the national championship game? Yeah, I, I, I'm still going to stick with the rematch on on Texas Alabama. I just I, I don't know. That, maybe it's because that's what I want to see. And, and <laughs> being here in Houston, Texas, I know a lot of people here locally. I've, I've talked to a lot of people on the uh, you know the, the marketing team and, and everybody here around the playoff. They're all rooting for Texas just for for ticket sales alone. They know that um, you know it'll be the hottest ticket ever. They they told me that if it is the Texas uh, Alabama rematch, that you know tickets we'll be going for five times face value. I mean, it'll, it will be the hottest ticket to, to get into NRG stadium. Uh, what they're all fearing is Michigan, Washington and, and Michigan travels. Well, Washington will bring some people, 
but they're not going to fill up an NFL stadium uh, with with those fan bases. And I was basically told you can probably buy tickets off the street for that one if if that ends up being the matchup. So yeah, look, we're, we're rooting for Alabama, Texas. We'd love to see it. Um, and then there's the outside chance somebody told me, you know, if, if Saban were to win it all, maybe just maybe he might decide to hang it up and shoot, you know, the other 15 fan bases in the SEC, maybe we should root for another Alabama title. If it guarantees he walks off into the sunset, you know what? That's a risk I'm willing to take. Maybe we root for that. So it'll, uh, it'll be a lot of fun, but yeah, it's, it's funny. If, it, if it's Washington, Michigan, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how many people are going to be watching that one. Yeah, that's just it's the it's the not exciting matchup, right? I mean, honestly, any other matchup you could be okay with, but it just seems seems like that wouldn't be the one. But man, an Alabama Texas rematch for an SEC team and then the incoming SEC team, it'd be a great great pitching a uh, uh, recruiting pitch, and it'd be a great time for the SEC to uh, pound its chest once again. Yeah, no doubt. And um, again, we'll we'll see. I mean, it's funny if Texas wins at all, we were joking, you know. Well. Uh, should Greg Sankey just go up there and put his arm around Stark and go, hey, welcome to the conference? I mean, I, could, I can't imagine Brett Yormark, the, the, the head of the Big 12, being up there next to Stark raising a trophy saying, oh, we won this for the Big 12. Yeah, to hell with you. We're out the door. See you. So I just think that's, uh, that's going to be a funny dynamic. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He joins us every Thursday. This will be the last time we talk to him before uh, the start of the new year with us not having shows next week. And so, Chris, I appreciate your time, man. Of course, you've been with me uh, for a long time here on the show, and I do greatly appreciate you. Let everybody know where they can find you, uh, find all your great content, and what you got going on through the, through the new year. Yeah, Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcast, And, of course, we're up on YouTube. we got the video version up there. Uh, numbers have been blowing, blowing up the last uh, couple of weeks. Everybody wants to know what's going on with the portal and recruiting and everything else. So great stuff there. And then, Jacob, two weeks from this Saturday, SEC basketball uh, opens conference play. Yes. So uh, it will be here before we know it. Yes, it will, man. Looking forward to that. we got a lot to talk about on that front, of, uh, on, on that side of things. But we got to get through football first before we can start talking about SEC conference basketball play. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. We'll take our final break and wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Huge shout out and thank you to uh, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. We wish him and his family uh, a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. We'll talk to him uh, in the first week of January. And as he said, uh, we'll get to talk about the college football playoff uh, and the Uh, The semifinals, the results from that, we'll get to talk about the national championship game. And then, yeah, we'll get to talk some college basketball as conference play here in the SEC will begin that Saturday. So looking forward to that. Uh, I got about a minute before the music kicks me out of here. Reminder, tomorrow is the final show of the year. All right, tomorrow's the final show of this week, final show of the year. Uh, Us and The Drive will be off the entire week of Christmas. So no shows next week, no shows on New Year's Day. We'll be back on that Tuesday, January 2nd, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN. So be sure uh, that you remember that. 
we get a uh, a very nice and uh, I'll, I'll say a well-deserved week off. Uh, we, we do a lot of great work here and been working very hard. And, and man, it's, it's going to be nice to uh, get a week off. I'll be traveling a bunch. But again, a reminder, tomorrow is the final show. Jack Hutton will join me in studio. We'll talk recruiting. We'll talk basketball. It's a free-for-all Friday. You know how it is. We'll talk whatever. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uncle T-Bone will be back in the start of the new year, uh, so we look forward to having him back in the studio as well. So stay tuned, though. The drive coming up here on ESPN. They'll have Dylan Cardwell for Tiger Takes as they uh, the Auburn basketball team has they got some more action before the start of the new year as well, so you don't want to miss that. But tomorrow, free-for-all Friday, we'll have a lot of fun talking recruiting, basketball, whatever else we can come up with with Jumpin' Jack Cutton. So until tomorrow, 2-4, to four, right here on ESPN 106.7, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.